Hey, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show, and welcome back to many of our listeners. This is the podcast that translates President Trump. He still is President Trump, by the way. I right. That out, you know? I made sure that I wrote that in there that way. Uh, <laughs> to make sure it's good of you to do that. <laughs> we take a look at the existential threats to America. We discuss the news of the day, what it means for you. I'll tell you one thing about the election. Who would have guessed a decline in white male voters and a dramatic increase in black male voters for Trump? Mm, well, well, you did. You predicted that. I didn't predict the first part. Right. You predicted the second part. <laughs> right. Today, we're looking back at the election with Michael Anton. He's a brilliant guy, maybe a genius. He's a former national security official in the Trump administration. At present, he's a writer and lecturer at Hillsdale College's Kirby Center. Uh, let me just do a couple of minutes on this because um, mostly want to talk about election, post-election challenges, uh, various uh, pieces of this because uh, the country's still embroiled in this. But one other thing happened the election, which I think is indisputable, and I'm pretty upset about it. I may be the only person in America. No, I can think about five more. First of all, tell me if you knew this. Did you know that there were many uh drug legalization initiatives out there on the ballot? I did not. And then you didn't know that all of them passed. Wow. All of them passed. Mm. Medical marijuana, recreational marijuana. In Oregon, they decriminalized the use of, you ready? All drugs. Wow, really? All of them. All of them. Mm. Well, as I think it was Brian Kilmeade said, well, that ought to fix Portland, all right? Right, right. You know, the yeah. chaos in Portland, mm -hmm. that'll take mm -hmm. care of it. Get everybody uh, on cocaine and crystal meth. That'll, that'll fix things. Uh, this is insanity. Let me just read. I can't do better than this. You remember a guy named Seth Liebson? I do. Yes. Seth Liebson show. Was mm -hmm. that KKNT? Absolutely. Phoenix. And he was my producer of Morning in America. He wrote this to me this morning. The marijuana initiatives are a real funny indicator. Science right now is beyond doubt how badly marijuana, especially today's high potency marijuana, negatively affects the brain. And the younger you start using it, the greater the risks. By the way, as a former secretary of education, I can tell you, and Seth, that marijuana inhibits, hurts memory, focus, and attention. You're the father of a young son. Do you think memory, focus, and attention is important for school work? Very important. Yeah. What about IQ? Do you think that helps? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you use marijuana early and keep using it, your IQ will drop 8 to 10 points mm. at a young age. What the hell are we doing, America? The younger you start using it, and back to Seth, the greater the risks. This country has turned itself inside out over a virus that eats lungs, especially in older populations. I'm talking about COVID, all right? COVID attacks the lungs. Mm -hmm. I don't understand a society that treats lungs as more important than brains, especially given the demographics here. Mm. Let's just stick with the lungs and COVID for a moment. How serious is a society supposed to be taken if it takes a, a lung-eating virus and at the same time makes more available, accessible, and acceptable the consumption of a product that when inhaled is chock full of carcinogens and other toxins. So you got COVID, which affects the lungs. Mm -hmm. The weaker your lungs, the more susceptible you are to it, serious complications, and to death. So while you're fighting that and having a national panic about it, um, you are making something that damages lungs much more available. Either we care about public health or we don't, and it seems we don't, at least our youth don't or those who are supposed to care about our youth don't, and those who want to profit off their consumption of a product that is dangerous to them don't. It's been a very successful lobby. Mm. 
they got this medical marijuana thing. It, you know, eases your pain. So I guess it, as it hurts your lungs and you're maybe dying of COVID, you can smoke more marijuana and feel less pain. I don't mean to be sarcastic here, but this is the right. ridiculous position we're in. Seth concludes, we'll lock down society to protect the agent from a novel virus, but we'll pour tens of millions of dollars into initiatives to regularize, normalize, and make more accessible a product that destroys young people's brains and their lungs. Hmm. Madness, folks. Madness. Uh, you know, as a conservative and a Republican, there are some good things to say. Um, let me just tell you one in case people are listening or depressed about what I just said. Conservatives, Republicans, despite every major media outlet's prediction that there would be double-digit uh, Republican losses in the House, House Republicans defied the odds. Mm -hmm. At present, Republicans have netted five seats. They're up five, not down. The prediction, they'd be down double digits. They're up five, and it will likely grow as votes are certified. Republicans project to increase the Republican membership from 197 on election night to between 208 and 212 members, just shy of a majority. Just how dominant was House Republicans' performance? I'm reading here from the NRCC, National Republican Congressional Caucus. Republicans won 28 of the 29 most competitive House races as projected by the uh, polling website, 538. That's pretty daggone good. Pretty daggone good. A couple other things I want to talk about in connection with post-election. A lot of talk about the Pfizer thing. Well, all this turmoil, but Pfizer's announced the vaccine. Well, you know, uh, did they hold up announcement of it? Did they know about it a week ago or two weeks ago? I don't know if they held it up. They sure as hell knew about it a week ago. So, I mean, these <laughs> things don't happen overnight. Right. I mean, maybe maybe two weeks ago it was an 87% success rate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's no love loss between corporate America and Donald Trump, particularly pharma. He's try He's been pushing hard to bring down the prices of drugs. So I wouldn't be shocked if Pfizer held it up. So now, you know, uh, when the stock market hit, goes up and the vaccine is discovered, my gosh, President Biden, it all goes on his. But, if, you know, Donald Trump's still president. I would just point that out. I'm going to talk to Michael uh, Anton about it in our interview. But Michael Barone, if you could put up a link to this piece, it's Michael Barone. B A R O N E. It just came out on Real Clear Politics. 49% nation. It says we're a 49% nation, 49 49. Pretty close if you count the votes. The interesting thing is, I saved for five years an article he did 20 years ago called We're a 49% nation. Hmm. Still a 49% nation. Really, really interesting. So let's look at that 49% nation in one place, the U.S. Senate. Let's suppose it goes to 49-49, and from there it goes to not 51-49. If the Republicans win both seats in uh, Georgia, it's 51-49, maybe 52-49. Yeah, it's 48-48 now, okay? If uh, Tom Tillis wins in North Carolina, it's 49-48 Republicans. If Sullivan wins in Alaska, it's 50-48 Republicans. I think both those things will happen. If the Democrats win both seats in Georgia, it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. If uh, Republicans win one and lose one, it's 51-49. Let's say it's 50-50, 50 Democrats. I found this interesting. Uh, maybe my listeners will write and say, Bill, you're naive. I saw Joe Manchin last night. Joe Manchin is a Democrat. He's from West by God, Virginia. Mm -hmm. okay? He was asked three times, I believe, by Brett Baer, would you vote to end the filibuster, which is what the Democrats have to do if they want to do all this stuff. He said, absolutely not. Hmm. Would you vote for court packing? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And he said it three times emphatically. Well, 
the best the Democrats can do is 50-50. So if Manchin is saying, I'm not with him on those big things, that means you're not going to be able to pack the court, not going to be able to end the filibuster, not going to be able to make D.C. a state, not going to be able to make Puerto Rico a state. A lot of the things which Republicans fear. So that's a very big deal. Keep an eye on Mr. Manchin, particularly if it's 50-50. I don't think it will be. Uh, I think it'll be um, it'll be 50-48, 51-49. I think it'll be 51-49. Because uh, I, I would guess we'll win at least one seat in Georgia, maybe two. That is we, meaning Republicans. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. It's time to jump in with Michael Anton. He's a former senior national security official in the Trump administration. At present, he's a writer and lecturer at Hillsdale College's Kirby Center. Michael Anton, welcome back. Michael, is there a coup going on against uh, President Trump? Um, I guess I have two answers to that. One is I don't know. And the second is depends on how you define coup. So where does this come from? I've been called all kinds of names for pointing it out. I want to mention too, though, not to throw him under the bus or necessarily yoke him to me. I was partly inspired by Byron York's piece from a couple of months ago called Coup Porn. What happened was the Democrats talked a lot during the spring and summer about maybe using the military to drag Trump out of the White House with a kind of crescendo when they leaked this transition integrity project report to the media where they gamed out a scenario where Trump clearly won in the Electoral College, Biden refused to concede, and they had to rely on the military to resolve the issue. And we both thought, a lot of people thought, wow, this is extraordinary. And we had, you know, Hillary Clinton's famous, Biden should not concede under any circumstances. Um, And we had a a letter from two former army officers to General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, saying, you know, be prepared to use the 82nd Airborne. And I thought this was extraordinary. Um, What I thought, and I guess maybe I've never laid this out perfectly clearly, but I will do it now uh, as clearly as I can and maybe write it up after that, that First of all, the, the overarching goal was make sure Trump does not get a second term by any means necessary, just by any means necessary. But, well, let's let's think this through in stages. Plan A was just win the election outright. If they can win the election outright, then there's no need to do anything funky. And maybe we could say, you know, plan A1 was in order to help win the election outright, um, you know, loosen the, the rules of voting throughout the country uh, legalize mail-in voting and ballot harvesting, all these things the Democrats have been working on for years and accomplishing in certain states, that, which accelerated greatly in 2020, and using COVID especially as an excuse. So mail-in ballot ballots and these processes are a heck of a lot easier to game and to abuse and to commit fraud, even clandestinely in ways that no one finds out. So just make it, you know, use these things to their advantage to the point where the ballots are so overwhelming, they don't have to do anything. That was plan A or Right. Plan B was if it turns out that that didn't wasn't enough, then start to cheat. Okay. now, again, I'm not saying cheating is taking place because I don't know. You don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But we do see lots of smoke, perhaps, which indicates some fire. Why was the counting shut down in the middle of the night on election night? Why did ballots start mysteriously appearing? Why did computers flip votes from one to another? Why did people show up? Um, and, and, uh, to vote in person, having been told they'd already voted absentee. Why did the dead vote? Why did tranches of ballots uh, get found, quote unquote, late, all of which, you know, overwhelmingly, in some cases, exclusively going for Biden? All these things have happened. They've been pointed out. And in addition to that, people have done statistical analysis showing the unlikelihood of a lot of the patterns of what we've seen. So this is evidence that maybe something fishy went down. 
And if they can win it that way, okay, fine. Then plan B worked. Um, plan C was if that doesn't work, right? If either, you know, Trump's win was so overwhelming, I think, I think even if the president won, it obviously wasn't overwhelming. And I never expected him to win the popular vote. I expected at best a repeat of 2016, popular vote loss, and then a close win in, in swing states at best. Then fill the streets akin to what they did in the spring and summer uh, with protesters and demand that, you know, say, insist that his election is illegitimate, demand that he step down. And then plan D was the diciest of all. But remember, this isn't me talking. This is them talking openly, if necessary, see if they can get the military to intervene and get Trump out of there. And I think I'm not sure plan D would have worked, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I you know, I can yeah. easily see the military just saying we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but right now, it seems to me we're somewhere in between A and B. Uh, it seems like Trump and his allies are going to insist that this stuff be investigated and maybe litigated, and then we'll see what they find out. But right now, the position of the ruling class and the media is nothing happened. If you bring up any of these irregularities, you're a conspiracy theorist, and you are anti-democracy, and you should not ask questions. You should be censored, suppressed, demeaned, and blacklisted. And, you know, if they, if they get away with that, then... Yeah, I think I think they probably at least it's plausible that they have the sheer institutional muscle to ram this through and tell everyone to shut up and deplatform and censor them. Probably, possibly, plausibly. If they do that, though, they will have really dealt a blow to the system that I think will probably not redound to their long term benefit. I don't know why you think it won't, but you can tell me that later. Um, first of all, let me tell you my my gripe with you. I, I, you probably have taken some. I'm sure you've taken some arrows because of your work for Trump. I have taken arrows because of my quoting you. It's not as if I can, can't get them on my own. I can and have over the years. I was on Fox, and I said, and this is to me is extraordinary. Um, you just mentioned in your in your in your recitation of the, of the facts that. Nate Silver reported a tranche, correct me if I'm wrong, 22,377 or 23,000? Something like that, yeah. It was like 23,000 votes came in late in Philadelphia. And they were 100%. All, all for Biden. Yeah. Now, I've said this three times. I got I got this out of your memo. We're going to put a link up to your memo, by the way, on the site. And it's yet to be refuted or even responded to. No one has said that's that's false. That's, I got that directly from a tweet from Nate Silver. Now, I don't know if you, I don't, you know spend my life scrutinizing Twitter. Maybe he took the tweet down, uh, but I'm, if he did, I'm sure somebody screenshotted it. Okay. Uh, I, you know, if it, it would be one thing, if this were somebody very pro Trump wanting Trump to win tweeting it, I would have been a lot more skeptical. Yeah. When I see somebody like silver, who's clearly not pro Trump who, and who's also on the record, you know, predicting a massive Biden blowout, uh, you know, in his usual hedged way, well, 15% chance, whatever, but you know, he was predicting a Biden win uh, saying that I thought that that's, you know, that's fairly credible. And but my point is, I, you know, we don't know, I, I certainly couldn't tell you with metaphysical certainty, which of these allegations that have propped up are true and which aren't. The fact that there are so many of them in so many places, I think demands explanation and investigation. Okay, okay. I just I, 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 I want to finish, but I want to come back to my, my tale of woe. And I see yeah. you have no sympathy for me whatsoever. And that's <laughs> I entirely understand that. So I quoted you again. So nothing was said when I said that. This was on special report. And I like those guys. I mean, I like Brett Bear a lot. Then I said, there's some other things that went on. And you can correct my numbers here. I said, you know, it's reported that in Milwaukee, uh, something like 89% of registered voters voted. Yeah. And this was, I think, uh, for Hillary, it was 61% right. that voted. For Obama, 71%. Yeah. And this is 20 points, almost 20 points more for Biden. 
At which point I could not finish saying it. I was interrupted. And the host said, we've talked to Milwaukee officials. And they said, no, that's not right. Well, that comes directly from, again, linked in my piece, directly from, I think it was the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, whatever is the daily newspaper record in that city. Okay. Now, other things that happened to me, but I I won't complain about them on on air, but I did feel sort of the heavy hand of, no, you can't say that, and you you shouldn't say that. But I want to go back to 23,277, reported by Nate Silver in 538, not a a site friendly to Donald Trump. I will tell you, as someone who's been around this planet more than 70 years, if you have a tranche of votes, that's 23,277, all for Biden, out of the inner city of Philadelphia, and we know that Trump got something like 18% 18% of the bike mail vote. Yeah. It's preposterous to believe that's true. It's yeah. just preposterous to believe right. all of them. Anything with X to zero is always statistically virtually impossible just from the perspective of voter error. Somebody's so, going to mistakenly mark a ballot somewhere. Now, it yeah. just seems yeah. to one of the other reasons, right. one other thing came into my mind, which is if you're going to fix it, you wouldn't fix it this way. Right. That's so obviously implausible. But it stands uncorrected. Go ahead, Michael. Well, I, I've, I, it's happened before. There were precincts in Philly that voted 100, 100% for Obama against Romney. Now, same thing. You know, when Romney gets whatever he got of the black vote, I'm sure it was very low. I know Trump got 8% last time. Romney may have got about that or probably even lower than that in 2012. That's still going to show up. It's going to turn up something, right? That's right. It's just, I, you know, look, I don't know. I, I, I. I, I sort of sympathize. I would say this to you, Bill, though. You don't need to hear this from me. But like, if you're going to take on the narrative, you got to expect that the narrative is going to come and smack you around yes, for I'm trying. I mean, that's the that's, that's just the way it is in, in America. <laughs> I'm used to it. You remember those uh, Marines who were uh, on an island in the Pacific and the Japanese would buzz them toward the end of the war every day. They did it for 12 straight days. Yeah. 13th day didn't happen. And they said, what's wrong? They got nervous because they weren't being buzzed. I mean, I, I, this is my yeah. life. I, I live I live this. So, you know, no, no surprise. But um, it does seem, you know, and there's a lot of criticism of the network for whom I work, Fox, that, you know, they're, you know, the early call of Arizona, um, you know, the, the this latest thing with the, with the host in the, in the nine o'clock show saying, what is with these people? Why do they keep challenging? The, the, the notion is just implausible. Take this wherever you want to go, but I did want to ask this. I am hearing this over and over again. Even with these challenges, under any serious review or you know uh, uh, tabulation, there still aren't enough votes for Trump. Well, if how can we possibly know that? We now? can't know. I mean, that. We're just we're, we can't know that. So we're supposed to take that on faith, the same way we're supposed to take on faith that Biden already won. So who decides this election? I guess the media. They called him the winner. Now we say there are challenges. They'll only move on to phase two. Well, even if this won't turn it. Why, why am I supposed to listen to them? The whole point of voting is that the votes determine the outcome. So let's count the votes. Let's assess which ballots were legal and which weren't, which were, if any, were delivered unlawfully uh, and, and determine that the only way that actually should be determined by the actual voting and the actual machinery of the elections rather than by what the media says when the media is right. clearly just the propaganda arm for the, you know, the, regi- the ruling oligarchy, let's be and the objections and the objections are not just this observer wasn't seen and this guy said things were bad. The objections, number of the objections as I see them are, are that there was massive fraud, not just one particular dead person or 10 particular dead Those persons. Are, there, are, there are allegations of massive fraud and we will right. never know right. unless right. they are investigated. And whenever something right. is, is alleged and somebody says, I don't, you know, I refuse to look into that. 
and, and, and demonizes the person making the allegation, I immediately get suspicious that there's something to the allegation. So yeah. when I said earlier, this may not redound to their glory, I, I qualified it with may. Look, I, I think it's very plausible that they have the institutional power to just ram this through and to tell everybody, shut up, and we're censoring anybody who ever casts doubt on the election. But, you know, there's going to be, of the 71 or so million people who voted for Trump, I don't know how many of them, but into the tens of millions are going to be convinced that it was then stolen from him. They won't know. Let's be fair and, and say that they won't know, but nobody's going to be able to talk them out of that. That's just going to be worth Right. And then the other half of, uh, of us are going to be like, I, I will have to be able to say if they if they go through with it the way that they're going right now, I will have to be able to. My only honest response will have to be, I actually don't know who won the 20 election, 2020 election. Yeah, that's right. I just know that Biden was installed as president by a, a ruling power structure that insisted on it. Maybe he did win it. I think it's possible he won it. As I said, I, I'm 99% sure in my mind, whatever the outcome was, he won the popular vote by a lot just because of the demographic strength yeah. numbers of the blue coalition are, are larger, right? But it's not the way you win the presidency is in the popular vote. You win it in closed states. And there's too many fishy things going on in closed states that make me suspicious. And if they refuse any kind of investigation, any kind of attempt to get to the bottom of it, you know, that, that will make me more suspicious. And I will have to say for all time, I don't really know who won. All right. So they're not just refusing it. They're diminishing the significance of it. And yeah. they are now engaged in diminishing the significance or seriousness of the people pushing it. And you just said people who voted for Trump are going to somehow feel, you know, this was wrong. Was yeah. it Galileo who said, still it moves? Yeah. You know, they're talking about the earth and the sun. Um, it moves. Um, and and, and pe people are just convinced of it. I actually am convinced of it, too. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I was a Democrat. I got inside information, yeah. you know, anyway, yeah. I was a Democrat for 25 years, but I mean, and I'm, you know, and I was a college professor as you are, uh, and, and have been, but I know how these people operate. They weren't going to take a chance on this. Um, say a little bit more, I mean, about whatever you want, but say a little bit more about why you think in the long run, uh, if the behemoth here succeeds, why it will be bad for them in the end. I worry about endless corruption and us never getting it right. I do. I agree with that, with the one caveat that it can't be endless because nothing la human lasts forever. Okay. And I do think what they would like is to make the U.S. into a, as into a coastal, coast to coast blue state, a one party state without effective opposition. I think they want that. But they'd be, you know, that first of all, I think that goal in and of itself is inherently unstable because there are too many contradictions and tensions within their coalition and anti-nature aspects of their ruling agenda that will crack the machinery someday. When, I don't know, bad things can last a long time as we know from the experience of communism and so on. Um, but I also think they're more likely to get their wish and to make it a going concern longer, the more legitimate it looks to the vast majority of the population, uh -huh. right? So if Biden had really just legitimately won and blown Trump out everywhere, I have no doubt in my mind that the Trump coalition would have said, this is very sad. We lost our guy. Terrible, but it was a fair fight. We lost and move on. If you do it this way and you and and you leave all these questions unanswered and you just shout at people's faces, you're a conspiracy theorist and anti-democracy and you censor the questions, you've robbed your own ruling coalition, your own government of a certain part of its legitimacy. They will have done that to themselves. And that, I think, makes their situation more precarious. Is it is it working uh, as this debate is now what just barely a week old? It's not a week old. Are they getting more converts to their position or are they losing people? 
The election was apparently lost in the middle. Do you agree with that, moderates? That is the popular vote. If it were lost, I mean, if it was lost, I don't know. I mean, the popular vote margin looks about the same, maybe slightly tighter. I mean, we don't have nothing's it's all not all counted yet. So I guess we don't know. We do know that both of them got more popular votes than any two candidates for president ever, sure, sure. including sitting presidents for real. That is Trump himself got more camp votes for president than anybody in the history of the United States, except right. Joe Biden this time. Right. Um, however many of Joe Biden's votes were legit. I know maybe all, maybe, maybe, you know, certainly most, right. Whatever, yeah. what, if there was fraud, whatever the fraud was, it won't amount to. A Who's winning this debate now? I don't know that anybody's necessarily winning. I mean, I think okay. the I think the Trump side has made more progress in a single week than the Biden side. The the Biden slash media slash big tech slash oligarchic coalition wanted to just shut this off on Friday or Saturday. That's what the AP calling it and all these races calling it, saying it's over and calling him the president elect. That's what you know, making that seal office of the president elect, which as Tucker Carlson pointed out on the air last night, is not an office that exists. So right now, for instance, there is an official transition run by the General Services Administration, but they're not unlocking all of the funds. They, they don't recognize, you know, this election is not certified. It's not done the way most elections are. When, uh, you know, and if, if it's an obvious case, say the election day, 1984, the transition begins immediately and nobody doubts it, right? 49 states, like, eh, right? This isn't over. This is not officially over. What they were trying, I think what the media and, them and, and everybody else has been trying to do, the media, the Biden campaign, et cetera, big tech, say it's over to convince the people to just back off and make this go away they're not they haven't succeeded in doing that what they do you think yeah we, we, we're talking here on, um, on this is important can i make one little point yeah, please sure they haven't even succeeded in convincing i don't mean to cast aspersions on these two but think about this for a second mitch mcconnell and lindsey graham yeah very conventional establishment republicans who don't want to rock the boat Fair in point. this way if they were if they were you know if those would be my first two targets if I were the, this coalition, Biden, media, big tech. I'd try to get those two to, to go to Trump and say, it's over, you you know, you lot. And they haven't been able to do that. In fact, they've got Lindsey Graham all fired up saying he's going to fight this. And McConnell so far being quiet. No, he actually said, uh, I think I saw it this morning. He said, look, I think the president's got every right to do this and go okay. ahead and do it. Well, yeah. see, that's, so, that, that shows that the Trump side's gaining ground and they're, and they're losing ground. Doesn't mean they'll lose, but at least they're losing ground at the moment. It's a matter of a few days. A lot of people said, well, the kind of the deadline for filing a lot of these is this week. uh, And we'd have to see this week. Um, Is this something that, you know, what's the timeline on this? I don't know that there should be any, um, you know, at least at least the length or half the length of the Florida dispute. This was the other thing I said in that appearance I mentioned. I said, wait a minute. Well, why are we in such a hurry? Florida, t- what would Florida take? Five weeks, seven weeks, something? As I recall, this, the quote that I've seen over and over again for people is 37 days. 37 days. Uh, is this the next few days? Because again, I, you know, I don't know if this is right, but people have said, well, Trump can make the case, but his lawyers will have to do it in the next few days. Why does it have to be the next few days? I don't know. I, I, okay. I you know, I mean, maybe are there statutory regulations about, I, I, I have no idea. December fourteenth is when the uh, is when the electors make their move, right? So right. Why, why not till then? Yeah, I you got me. I mean, if there okay. are legal reasons, I'm just not aware of them. What do you think of Bill Barr entering in as he did last night, saying uh, sending off a letter to his uh, federal U.S. district attorneys, uh, federal attorneys? I never, you know, I never know what to make of Bill Barr. He's always seems about kind of in the middle of where. I would want him to be. He's he's aggressive and stalwart enough that I can't dismiss him and somebody just there to defend the interests of institutional Washington. But he never goes as far as I want him to go either. Yeah. So I'm very kind of 50-50 on Bill Barr. 
You said uh, you quoted uh, Byron York, and I, I think that was right. Let me not quote him, but paraphrase him. Uh, the other day, he said this is uh, the Democratic effort and the media effort was the largest and most weaponized effort in history to discredit Donald Trump. I would say what happened even before the election of Donald Trump in the summer of 2016 was the beginning of the largest and most weaponized effort to have a recount in history. I mean, they did, they, they were trying to force a recount, at least a reconsideration, for three years, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I, wasn't the charge that the election was illegitimate and Trump was an illegitimate president? Yeah, I mean, look, look, the people yelling back at you and at me for being conspiracy theorists or whatever are the same people who tried to tell us that Donald Trump was literally, literally an asset, meaning a personally handled spy for Vladimir Putin. That right. Vladimir Putin was in direct contact with Trump, put him in the Oval Office so that he could work for the interests of Russia and against those of the American people. The most preposterous fairy tale fantasy lie ever told by the American press to the American people. And these are the same people who are screaming in our faces that nothing untoward happened in this election and we should shut up and go away. How did they have any credibility at all? Yeah, no, fair point. Um, if there's one, I'm not asking you, you know, lawyer to lawyer because we're not, but if there's one claim that's plausibly established of systematic uh, corruption, systematic uh, fraud in any of these states, battleground states, that it seems to me will establish the bona fides. I mean, if, if it was happened in Milwaukee or Philadelphia or Detroit or Phoenix or, or, or Las Vegas, that'll, that'll pretty clearly underscore it. And I think push back the opposition. It will. it will, but you know that the narrative will then immediately shift to, well, okay, so you found it here, but it didn't change. Oh, that doesn't change anything, therefore. Yeah, right. right. So it's only one state, yeah. Which you're um, already hearing that argument being made, as you brought up earlier right. on the podcast. Well, it doesn't, you know, there's not a votes out there, so it won't change anything. But, you know, that that's a terrible argument, I think, from their side, because they're essentially admitting, yeah, that, that's, that's a tacit admission that, yes, there's fraud and our system can't be trusted, but you just have to live with the outcome anyway. Well, what are people going to conclude from that? They're going to yeah. conclude that this is not real. That democracy is not real. You cannot trust the system. Would would it would it be common sense here, not not law? But I, I, I've been saying too, it would be great to get one person of uh, who was in this process in a significant way to flip. You know, uh, I was told by the postal inspector, I was told by the you know assistant uh, director of elections to bring in more ballots. Mm-hmm. Um, and surely if there was, I don't mean to make this sympathetic to the other side, if there was widespread fraud, somebody had to have been directed to do it, right? Uh, well, well, Unless we talk about this machinery. Yeah, Sydney I'm not Powell sure that somebody had to be, machinery. if everybody, the way, because I think the way the ruling regime or coalition that currently runs America works is, you know, there is no CEO at the top giving orders. Everybody just sort of knows what's in the general interests of their side, and they do it. So maybe if you're a poll worker or a partisan operative in Philly or Milwaukee or wherever, you just know that, like, hey, if this is looking bad, I'm going to bring in some boxes of ballots and make sure I tip it. I don't need to get orders from the DNC or whoever. So I'm not sure that that it guarantees that there was any central coordination. In fact, I think it's probably more likely than not, if any of this happened, I will qualify it again because we don't know. And we're not allowed to know because there won't, you know, the investigations and so forth not happening, so far not happening. But if any of this happened, I think it's far more likely that it just happened because the people who did it realized, yeah, we know what we want and, you know, we know how to get it and we'll, we'll do it. We don't need to be told. Where's the press in this? I mean, I know generally they're on the side of, uh, of Biden, 
But um, certainly for this three-year attempt to uh, get a recount on Trump from 16 to 19 or even to 20, the press was all over looking under every rock, every place it could. Do you have a sense that the Milwaukee Journal or the Philadelphia Inquirer or Detroit News is, is really checking this out? No, none whatsoever. I, I know the press is completely on board with the outcome that they want to see, which is they want Trump gone, they want Biden in. And in fact, they're going to do the opposite of looking into this. They're going to use their power to denounce anybody who says they should be looking into it. And they're going to, you know, I, I, I bet the, the, they'll spend, and they're already doing this. You're seeing this. They're, they're spending all of their power to um, denounce and discredit anybody who brings up. All right. I suppose you were asked, I'm sure you have been or will be. What would satisfy you? I mean, we, we may not ever know with certainty. Can't know about every single vote, every single state. What would satisfy you, Michael, that uh, this thing was legitimate? Well, okay, if it, just a full and transparent accounting, a recount, recanvas, total transparency, um, any every allegation that's been raised gets investigated thoroughly so that we know. Like if, 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 if big tranches of ballots didn't come in at the last minute overwhelmingly for Biden, demonstrate that that didn't happen. Show me the cus- chain of custody of all these ballots. When did these mail-in ballots come in? When did these absentees come in? Um, you know, other, other stuff like that. Um, or if they did show me why that's legit. One question that I've always had is so mail-in ballots are mailed in, right? They should be accumulating over days, weeks, and months in the run-up to the election and be in place, ready to be counted just like that. So why are we finding thousands or tens of thousands of mail-in ballots that should have been sitting there? Why are we finding them hours or days after the polls closed? If you have a plausible explanation for that, tell me what it is. Right. Here's what I thought, what I think. If they legitimately believe, if Biden and all the people around him and the DNC and the Democrats legitimately believe, not just that he got more popular votes, which I legitimately believe, but that he won all of these swing states legitimately, then they should have nothing to fear from an open and transparent accounting. They should have a lot to gain because then they can put all these doubts to rest. I know there will be no matter what happens. First of all, I don't expect any such investigation to take place, but let's assume that they did investigations did take place. I'm well aware that there will be some dead enders on the Trump side who will not accept any evidence and just say, no matter what, it was stolen, right? I, on the other hand, know that of myself personally and and people that I know, we will accept evidence. Like, if you can show this to me, why all of this is wrong, I will accept that and say, all right, look, I... Uh, I realize it's crazy divided country. It's very plausible right. that Trump legitimately lost this election, even though he got a lot of votes. And I accept that. It's unfortunate, but it's not crazy to think that Biden might have won. Right. Right. Not no, it's crazy. not crazy. It's, you know, I, you know, I think the divided country people, I thought that Biden was the favorite. I didn't think he was the favorite to the extent that the polls were telling us in advance that he was the favorite. You know, this is another good point to make, too, is it's not just the loosening of the election laws, which definitely helped Democrats. We know that. It's not just mail-in voting and the way that that system can be gamed that helped them. And it's not just the potential fraud, whether that happened or didn't. Think of the other things that we know overwhelmingly helped Biden and hurt Trump. Social media, engineer, you know, yeah. completely thumbed the scale in a pro-Biden, anti-Trump way. Legacy mainstream media, completely thumbed the scale in a pro-Biden, anti-Trump way. All of these things, you know, given all of the institutional power arrayed against Trump, one has to, one, I think it was only rational to say that Trump's chances of winning were below 50%. So no, it's not, it's not only not crazy, it's completely plausible that Biden won the election legitimately. But if he did, we should have an accounting for everything that happened. And, you know, this should demonstrate why all of these things that people have seen and that, you know, people who are much closer to the issue than I have, lawyers for Trump and so on, campaign officials have seen and are pointing out why all of that either didn't happen or is totally explainable. 
And right now, I'm not seeing those explanations. Instead, all I'm hearing is, shut up, you're anti-democracy. Yeah, sh- yeah, shut up, he argued. Yeah. I, I, I just read a piece by Michael Barone. You know who he is. I remember saving this piece that he wrote after um, 2000 election. He said then it's a 49-49 country. And he just updated the piece, and it's called It's a 49-49 Country. The interesting thing is, I, when, when, he, when I read that, I thought about the things you've just said. It's still a 49-49 country, though the press is entirely... Entirely. The problem, it's a 49-49 country, but, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about this in terms of, um, maybe this is a bad analogy, but let's say you have two baseball teams, and they each have an equal number of players. Yep. But one has all the Hall of Famers and the other's got, you know, a bunch of guys, single A players. Well, you could say they're they're equal, but, you know, I'm not saying they're the other side is filled with Hall of Fame players because I think many or most of them are corrupt hacks. But they do have, which are incredible assets, all the institutional power, all of them, yeah. all of the media, all of big tech, all of big finance, all of corporate America, all of the universities, except Hillsdale College and a few others, um, you know, right. all of official Washington. The, the so-called administrative state, meaning the federal bureaucracy, their institutional power is completely overwhelming compared to what the other 49, the Trump half, the rural, the red state, the flyover, you know, half has. So, yeah, in a, in a sense, it's tied, but in a sense, it's also very lopsided given the massive imbalance of institutional power. I mean, in terms of institutional power, it's as close as it could be to 100 to nothing. But it's also true that given all that, uh, the single A team scored 70 million runs. Right. That's amazing. That I mean, is kind of amazing. it is, which tells you there's, as I'm reading these exit polls, even for the moment saying, okay, if, if Biden won, there's a, there's a lot of positive things in there. A lot. And I think this is a change in the Republican Party. It's much more a working man's party now, it seems yes. to me. Yeah. Uh, Biden was saying on the stump, well, they may have Wall Street, but we have Scranton. I think the vote count would suggest just the no, opposite. That's, that's a completely, that's, that's just ridiculous. I worked on Wall Street. Wall Street is overwhelmingly democratic yeah. with the exception of a handful of privately managed firms, you know, privately owned firms, but like right. all of the big banks and all the publicly traded and most of the privately managed. I mean, you can name some exceptions. There are some big Republicans in, in Wall Street, right? But overwhelmingly Wall Street, like every Why? other. Why is it? Uh, I think it's their crazy. taxes are going up. I mean, you know, they don't, don't care they... about taxes nearly as much anymore because no matter how high the taxes are, they can afford it. The same reason Silicon Valley doesn't care about taxes. Why do you if you if you made all this money, why would you live in California, which is the highest state income tax in the nation? Yeah, they don't care. You know, yeah. I, you know, and it's not the highest overall tax burden. I think that's actually New Jersey, but it's way up there when you combine everything in. One of the things that keeps California from being number one is the limitations on the property tax, which you know, I don't want to go down that road. But people live there because. If you're if you're that rich and that powerful, you can afford it. And because if you can buy your way out of the pathological parts aspects of California, it's a great place to live. It's no longer a great place to be middle class. So they're overwhelmingly on the side of the Democrats. Every part of the commanding the Democratic Party is a high-low coalition. It's all of the elites and the big winners in the tech information bicoastal oligarchic economy, um, plus those at the those at the bottom rung of the socio rungs, let's say of the socioeconomic ladder. About every, um, for a while, it's stopped now, but for about every five years, somebody would approach me, sometimes somebody with a lot of money, and say, you need to um, start a conservative university. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't do it. We already have one. I, th- I think we have two. I think we have where you are, Hillsdale. Yeah. I think Grove City is another kind of model. Grove City, there's Patrick Henry College. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's a tiny, small tiny Patrick Henry, but there's but, a small but, network of small liberal arts colleges. Most of them explicitly Christian, some yeah. Catholic, and so on. I mean, but when you compare that to the 
the dominance and you know of the rest of the academia it's it's overwhelming it's absolutely overwhelming if you were sitting with all the billionaires conservative billionaires in the country and they said what institution can we get back and how do we do it we don't care what it costs what would you tell them to do i would tell them to go out to the states and start taking over local and state republican parties electing better um local state county city officials at every level and then start using state level power to uh to change things from the ground up, including well, but, you know, state this, level education systems and state universities. But this just happened in this election. I mean, Republicans did very well at the local level. Right. But are they all good Republicans or are they, you know, are they, yeah. I mean, I, look, there, there's several different types of Republicans and the two yeah. types that are not going to be particularly helpful are, you know, one's just the ones who just like to be in office and they're Republicans because it's a Republican state, but they don't use their power. And the others are genuinely well-meaning, but very out of touch with the times who think that like the, the Republican agenda should essentially be what it was in the Reagan era to take nothing away from Ronald Reagan for whom I know you worked, uh, but his solutions were right for his time and they're not right for this time. So what we need is a Republican party that's much more focused on its, the, the needs of its base, right? The, that 70 million working man's party and uh, that are going to take on genuine threats to the cohesiveness of this country. I mean, look, 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 President Trump, it took him three years, but he did it. I don't know, you know, he rescinded these horrible critical race theory trainings in the federal government. Yeah, which yeah, teach sure federal did. bureaucrats that America is an evil country. So these people join the government and then are told by their own government agency that the government for which they have hired and which they now serve is evil and racist and always has been. And that they, if they're white, are evil and racist precisely because of their skin color on birth. That sounds like the worst possible thing. First of all, it's all untrue. And second of all, it's the worst possible morale nation killing thing one could imagine. If Trump gets rid of it. Biden has pledged to bring it back. Maybe it's inconsequential, but I don't of, think it's inconsequential. No, no, no. I was just going to say about something else. It may turn out to be nothing in the end. And I guess if we have a Biden presidency, it will. But I thought it was kind of cool that my old department said to Princeton, well, if yeah. like, your president says you're, you know, just died in the wool races systematically, we're looking into you. We yeah. make it off your phone. I thought that was great. But you know that if this if this um, stands, if Biden becomes president, that's going away. All of that goes yeah, away. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And, you know, so, but see, these critical, right? So there's nothing, uh, the conservative billionaires, I would say, you know, I bet you there's lots of critical race theory going on in state bureaucracies. Elect people, sure there find are. it, and root it out. Stop the public schools at the state level from teaching that America is an evil country. Um, go after, you know, you think of uh, these big heartland uh, universities, those flagship state universities in red areas. They're not conservative. They may no, not be not. as crazy woke as Yale or Oberlin, right? But there's all, there's all kinds of institutional rot in them. And they're getting, and they're doing that on the taxpayer's dime. Go after, use state power to go after them, saying you're going to have to be fair in the way you hire faculty, in the way you treat all students, in the way you guarantee freedom of expression, or you're not going to get this state money anymore. Why don't we oh, do something like that? Oh, it's everywhere. When I first took office, I'm sorry to have these stories, but that's what I've got is stories and a memory. Alan Simpson, you remember him from yep. Wyoming, asked me if I'd give the commencement in Laramie at the university. I said, sure. So we'd love to have you. I said, who's we? He said, oh, the president and I. I said, what about the faculty? He said, hey, Bill, this is Laramie, Wyoming. I said, it's a faculty. Call me back two days later. He said, oh, God, the best. You was cursing and saying, who the hell do these cowboys think they are? I was turned down by the faculty in Laramie, you know? Yeah. No, I have a friend. Who so lives, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I have friends who live in Montana, a state where basically the Republicans won in a blowout at every level. I mean, they thought that uh, their their Republican senator was actually at risk and the Dems spent a lot of money. And it turns out, I mean, Danes won by 10 or 11 points. But the point is, my friend says, like, you know, Missoula, university town, um, you guarantee that that's a really left wing place. 
no matter where the universities are, they could be in the reddest part of the country. They will be a little bright blue light, uh, and you know, and and much bluer than you know the average upper middle class suburbanite who's very democratic. But these are like universities are the centers of uh, concentrated wokeness. I understand. I understand the odds, and I understand the your analogy in major league and. I'm still so proud of that single A team turning out 70 million runs. And it for it's some amazing. reason, it's still, it still works. It. I'm encouraged by it, but daunted by the, the, the lack of institutional power that we have. Does, it's difficult. I know. I know Madison says uh, somewhere, he said, you know, well, one of our great protections, of course, is the virtue of the people. Uh, that's our final place to go. But he said, you know, I, I think what will carry us forward, he says, in, I think a letter to Jefferson, is the fertile activity of a free people. And maybe that's what keeps us going. I don't know, against all these inst- other institutional odds. Well, but I, I do hope, if any conservative billionaires are listening, <laughs> that they do take my advice and go into the states and start yeah. trying to build institutional power from the ground up, okay. little little institutions outward. And the, the other thing I would say is I think they're unfortunately going to have to, somebody's going to have to look at doing something on the conservative media side. I, I, it, Fox is very discouraging. I don't like the way it's going. It feels like it's turned, it really turned on, a, it feels like it had been kind of drifting a bit left. And turned on a dime suddenly on uh, November 4th. And what are we going to do without that? You know, that, that, that's difficult. But somebody, what was Roger Ailes said his business plan was very simple. His business model was very simple. Um, I'm going to reach the half the country that no one's yeah, talking right. to. Well, they're still out there. And if Fox isn't going to talk to them anymore, you know, Fox's ratings took a propitious dive over the last several days. Because I know, I know. Um, my wife, who used to have it on all day, every day, essentially turned it off. Really, uh, in in out of out of disgust and and frustration. So the half the country's still out there. If somebody wants to make money reaching them, there's the opportunity. Yeah, I understand, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you very very much. We'll put a link up to your pieces and keep talking, keep writing. Thank you, Michael. All right. Hey, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett and like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. I really would, folks. We're paying a lot of attention to these emails. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. Claude, we will catch up with our audience again next week, right? Yes, sir. 